Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, he is risen from the dead. This is kind of our big day. So we decorate. This is the best we got. Christ, who was crucified, died and buried. He's back. He's risen. He's alive. And one of the hardest parts of my job is to tell you that with a straight face, knowing full well that it doesn't actually change what's wrong with you. I wish that it did. I wish it would be like some kind of magic spell that turned darkness into dawn, that chases away every last evil and sin, that fixes everything that is wrong and broken in your lives. Today is great, but after the long weekend, let's be honest, we're all still going to have the same problems, right? The sins that we can't escape, the diseases that still aren't cured, the losses that we still feel, and the scorn of the world for singing hymns all weekend when it didn't actually change a thing. I know that it's kind of a downer to draw attention to it. But when Job sang, I know that my Redeemer lives, it wasn't in his Easter best. It wasn't to prove anything to anybody. He wore sackcloth and ashes because everything that he had was gone. His home, his land, his herd, all of it was rubble around him. He buried his own children, 10 of them, 10. His wife told him, curse God and die. He lost his health and the respect of his friends. Still, Job spit the dust out of his mouth. He scratched at his sores and he sang, I know that my Redeemer lives. And you can call it bold if you want to, but there is a lot of heartbreak in this story. The women, they went out to the tomb early in the morning out of obligation, not joy. They had to anoint the dead body of Jesus. And it was only going to be harder now because they couldn't due to the Sabbath when they should have. Still, for the first Easter, church wasn't terrible. They saw a minor miracle. The sermon was preached by a literal angel. It lasted like 10 seconds. That's not awful for church service. But they said nothing to anyone. They were terrified. They left the exact same way that they walked in, afraid. It's great to take a long weekend. It's great to do the whole family thing. I'm thrilled to have you with us. But by Tuesday, tell me it doesn't all just look the same as it did before. The reason that it feels like such a letdown is because we have convinced ourselves that our religion is life instead of death, but the resurrection, that's life after death. We have convinced ourselves that the one true peace that we will have is if we finally manage to escape everything that is awful in this world. The resurrection just barrels right through it all. It isn't an avoidance of everything that we fear, of sin and death and the power of the devil. It is a victory over these things. We know full well what we're up against. We know just how dark it can get. We know how fragile life can be. And we know, quite frankly, what we have done 
and in the coldest, darkest parts of night, maybe we are even willing to stop blaming everybody around us for having done it. I want to escape these things too. I want to forget the places I've been. I want revenge for the things done to me. I want fixes for everything that's wrong. The idea of even being near this brokenness, it is enough to rob us of sleep most nights. And so you know what? If our religion could be trading all of that in for waking up early one morning a year, fine. That's a good trade. But if your religion is just built on how to avoid the things that you are afraid of, you will spend your whole life running and you still won't sleep. If your religion is just how to be enough, good enough, happy enough, wealthy enough, healthy enough, sooner or later, your religion will fail you. The religion that just tries to keep us away from everything that we're afraid of, it always ends up being nothing more than a religion of fear itself. The whole time, the whole time, you spend all day staring at the one thing you don't want to see. Tell me that's any better. The resurrection, that is different. We measure everything by this one day. Christ is risen from the dead. If Christ has not been raised, then our faith is in vain. If Christ is not risen from the dead, I need a new job. If Christ is not risen from the dead, these are just bricks that could be put to much better use. And y'all are wasting your time. But if Christ is risen, if he was crucified, died, and buried, and then he actually came back, if all of the miracles attested to by all of the people throughout all of time in history stand, if over five 500 people really did see him alive and well after knowing that he was dead. If this religion got started not simply on wealth and power and religiosity backed by vague government, but in fact by a truth that even persecution could not snuff out, then here we stand based on something solid. Here we stand based on something that endures even in the face of everything that we are afraid of. Christ is risen from the dead and this will be all that we measure. Not ourselves, not our works, not what we have done and not what we are afraid of losing. Christ is risen from the dead. And this, this is our peace. This is what we stare at when we are afraid. Because if all we want to do is keep one eye on everything else that we're afraid of losing, we will not sleep. But if Christ is risen from the dead, then we can look not just at the things that we are afraid of, but right through them. Because there is a victory. There is a peace. There is a life after death. Christ was crucified. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Now we look right through death itself unto the life which he has won for us. This faith is not an avoidance of death. It is a victory over it. Do not be afraid. Because now, now that Christ is risen from the dead, we can rejoice in this victory forevermore. Christ is risen from the dead. And until something comes along to put him back in that tomb of all the things that you're afraid of, not a single one of them can change this fact. Christ is risen from the dead. You will rise too. You have that victory even now, even here, even this very moment. You can have that victory both in plenty and in want, in sickness and in health, in life and even in death. We see everything in this world through the lens of this one day. Christ is risen from the dead. His promise to save sinners is true. The sacrifice made is acceptable. You are not the sum of your sins. You are not the measure of what you have. You are the measure of his love for you. You are holy. You are worthy of love because God loved you so much that he died for you to forgive you everything, every last bit, leaving it buried at the foot of the cross. He rose free from all of it to call you holy and righteous and good, not by what you've done, but by what he has done for you, that you never have to wonder, that you never have to doubt, 
and that you never have to fear. This is the gift given to you. You are tied to this resurrection in a way that death itself cannot separate you from it. You are baptized, tied to the death where this was brought to an end, tied to the death where sin, where the world, where the power of the devil itself was ground into dust, and you are tied to the resurrection. It is finished. The victory is yours. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This is the one thing that has changed the whole world without having to change a single thing because it does not get measured in the world anymore. It gets measured simply in this. Is Christ alive? If so, it's going to be okay. This, this is how we speak. This is how we live. This is how we hope. Everything left to measure is already conquered. Christ has forgiven you all of your sins. Christ has given you a life that age and illness, suffering and death cannot take from you. We look right through these things to the risen Christ who will bring us through them too. The world said Job lost everything. But lying in the dust, he sang our hymn. I know that my Redeemer lives. Long after my skin is destroyed, these words will live on, engraved in rocks forever. Even after everything falls apart, they can be put back together and more. They have. The story of Job seems like just a harsh, harsh bet. And even if you read it all the way until the end, past every last chapter and every last speech and every last soliloquy, Job's Redeemer lives. And so Job is restored. Not by earning it, not by proving it, not by winning a bet, but simply on this fact. Job's Redeemer lives. And so his household, his land, his herds, they were doubled. And he got ten more kids, which seems like a disappointment. Because that doesn't actually bring back what was taken. That doesn't actually fix what was broken. But Job's Redeemer lives. And so Job has 20 kids. Because he can look right through death to the life in which he will see them all. This is how we start to see the world. Death, we see right through you. Death, we are not afraid of you. For Christ is risen from the dead. And we too will rise in our bodies, new and perfect, free from pains of sin and death, free from pains of suffering and age. We will be united with all of the saints who have gone before us in glory. We will rise just as Christ is risen, that we might live forevermore, because Christ is risen. This is our call. This is our hymn. This is our hope. This is our everything. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds unto life everlasting. Amen.